say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but what if those intentions were more sinister from the beginning? I'm Nikki B, resident pop culture expert, here with utopian history expert Danny McCarthy. We're going to take a deeper look at the sci-fi movies that we love and see if maybe what we always thought were warnings were really blueprints. Join us as we pull at the crimson threads in our beloved cinema. Welcome to The Road to Hell. Welcome, Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest, to Road to Hell podcast, where we talk about, where we review science fiction films and kind of examine whether roadmaps or blueprints. Eh. Either way, I think they're kind of Blueprints. Six of this, half dozen of the other. It doesn't. We don't know. Turns out. It depends on the movie, maybe. So we review movies. We talk about the dystopian implications of them, and uh, discuss whether or not society is moving in that direction or not. And and the moral of the story is is that science fiction authors are always the people giving the bad guys ideas. I guess is it the, the the most charitable way of saying it. Yeah. There's never a eugenicist far from a science fiction author. It's true. It's true, and we can go back and talk about the history of that, but that's for another time. Because we've got a live audience, we wanted to make our review today to be somewhat relatable. So we didn't want to go with some esoteric thing nobody's ever seen before. So we're not talking about Brandon this episode. Right. So some we're... Russian film that I'm the only person that knows, and probably only because it's about marketing. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing anything esoteric or obscure. We're talking about two of the finest pieces of art ever made by man. Terminator, one and two. By one of the most tied-in directors to what is going on in government. Yes, yes. I, I don't think uh, him and anyone can be as tied in as him and his wife are, apparently. We're getting another Avatar coming up, too, man. Are you oh, pumped God. about that? No. If the first one wasn't enough preaching? Uh, the first one wasn't that good. I don't disagree, but it made bajillions of dollars. It did. Um, but we're not talking about that, either. Yeah. So... <laughs> How many people in the audience have seen the Terminator movies? Let's start there. One of them. Which one? Okay. You know what was funny? I actually like the first one better. Do you? Like, it, I remember the second one. The second one is a more glossy movie. Mm -hmm. I really like how shitty the first one looks. Yeah, the, it was super low budget. No, which absolutely. Which is part of the reason it's incredible. You know what's funny is that like they do like all the interstitials of the world that they're in. They do. They're, they're all the same. From 1984 to 1991, but they—they they, you can definitely tell he came into money between the two movies. Oh yes, oh yes, uh, it definitely shows. But even the styles are just different between the two. The first movie is kind of like a horror movie, really. If you watch it, oh, it's a know. slasher film. Like he yeah. is just the monster that's coming to kill people. Now it had a a real interestingly convoluted story to it, hmm. but like right. it, it. Didn't get surprisingly into all of like the social stuff that you really start diving deep into about the world with the war with the robots that you get into in the sequel. Yeah, it's just kind of a general idea. I'm from the future and robots and humanity are fighting. Yeah, I'm from the future and I'm here to help. Come um, with me if you want to live. Right. Uh, so the first one being a horror film, it doesn't seem to really get that much into the world building. No. And it introduces one of the most perplexing issues in all of film, which is the whole, you know, did John Connor's dad... How does the timeline even work in that movie, right? So that's a big question that well, we were supposed to talk about. The big thing about. is, even if you go back in time and you alter the timeline, like, there's very few options that are good for the person that does that. Because, like, you change the timeline, like, you go back to your time because... You have to have some type of multiversal thing going on. Right, right. And so the question is, like, in the first timeline, who was John Connor's dad? You know, how does that work? How, where's the initial thing? And Well, John Connor's dad? Yeah. Well, John, uh, John Connor, like... It kind of... I mean, John Connor's dad is the guy. Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese is his dad. Yes. But you're saying if when Ty Kyle Reese goes back, yeah, because Kyle like this, Reese is take himself out because yeah, he'd never be born because he. Right. So it's the most circular thing in the world. It really doesn't make sense. Yeah. But we all buy it because the movies are just so cool. 
and they are cool, right? I mean, does anyone disagree? Does anyone dislike the Terminator movies? What if there was a pre-John Connor? What is there a what? What if there was a pre-John Connor in the other multi, the other universe, right? Right. They brought them to a certain stage. That maybe that battle with the machines actually went better, or maybe it went worse. Mm. Once they sent Kyle Reese back out of necessity, they created this ultimate spin-off looping thing, and they're like. It worked, so if they broke, they'll fix it. They don't know what the other universe was because it was destroyed. Right. Yeah, I mean, so. Because, I mean, if we're going to get into the whole time travel bit of it, like, I mean, I'm going to end this all in saying the second one is predicated on the idea that they sent another Terminator and, like, uh, two, two more Terminators after. Even though in the original movie he says very specifically they destroyed the time machine immediately after Kyle went through, after the first Terminator went through. Correct. So. There were no other Terminators going through the time thing. The movies don't make any sense. Yes. Uh, but that's not what we talk about. No, so to get to the point, um, obviously the big thing about Terminator is the question about technology, right? And AI, and where is it going, and what does it mean for the human race? So if you recall in the second one, we get the kind of background for the future, which is that the Skynet, AI, essentially becomes self-aware on August 20th, 1997. Um, and it says, like, all right, well, these human beings need to go. And so it provokes a war with Russia. Mutually assured destruction takes place. Mm -hmm. And there we go. So that leads to a very interesting question about where is AI going to go? If AI can make value judgments, what kind of value judgments will it make? Well, and, and what's funny about this is, is uh, I'm a big Isaac Asimov fan, and that's why when Isaac Asimov was writing books about intelligence and robots back in the, was it the 40s and 50s? I don't know, the guy did it for like a million years. Yeah. His big thing is he created the three laws of robotics. And law number one is that robots can't, can't kill people. Like okay. it is, they are programmed to not be able to do that. It is the one function that they're not allowed to override. And there's a reason that that was the first thing he decided. Because the big fear with technology is exactly what it is in Terminator. It's the fear that if we ever create something more intelligent than ourselves, it would all automatically want to get rid of us for being an inferior being. Sure. Which is. Really interesting, considering I can't think of many people that want, go around wanting to get rid of all of the animals around them. Is it the yeah. idea of like subservience to machines that terrifies people, or is the where does that stem from? But we have a huge gap in years between both of these uh, these authors or people, these creators. But the the one thing that stands with uh, with technology is we're scared the hell of it. And more important, scared that it's going to turn on us. Right. Well, people people are kind of afraid of a Terminator scenario. Yeah. Maybe not that dramatic, but, you know, we all have heard it. You know, the machines are going to take over and kill us all. Everyone's... Go ahead. Have you heard uh, Google, one of their uh, AI, like, uh, scientists, you know, how they have, they have an AI division trying to... Kind of the one that thinks it's eight years old now? Yeah, well, yeah, the one that thinks it actually has emotions and is processing emotions, like, uh, yeah. on, on its own. Yeah, so the question is about the Google AI affair. I don't know, I haven't looked at it. Well, I've heard it, and I don't know if it's well, what there is I, I to was it. talking just earlier about this uh, HBO show, Raised by Wolves, and a lot of the this second season of that centers around you have androids in the show. And the androids actually are, they have emotions. Like it's part of their programming. They they learn to feel. And at the end of season two, like one of them decides to like they they have this veil that they created for one line of androids that actually makes it so they don't feel anymore. And they they get into how how amazing it is to not feel. But the idea is the intermingling of what's the difference between humans. They start playing around with the merging of biological and technological elements like a technology that can procreate and and it's like a hybrid human robot kind of thing mm -hmm. and the idea you can clearly see in this whole show is like making robots and humans equal in a world That's where we're, when we're constantly terrified 
of robots. Now, do you think that like with that show, there's almost a sea change, or because technology is becoming so close and near and dear to all of us, that maybe we're losing that innate fear of being replaced and taken over by the machines? You know, it, it really does seem to be one of these issues that divides people. I think for some people, yes, some people, uh, I've talked to people who have said explicitly, when the chip gets here, sign me up. You know, like they want it, they're ready for it. Um, I'm going to imagine it would people, make porn way better. Maybe. <laughs> like I'm just saying, like, yeah. Just, wow, I'm right, in the, I'm right in here. Like, you know, oh, you can totally fake sensations on my skin sure, like, well, through and, my brain. And there are, there are safetyist type arguments to be made for that because, well, we're going to eliminate effectively sexual disease through recreational sex because we'll just give you the porn plug. And uh, there you go. You're all set. You could stimulate the proper centers of the brain. And, you know, we move to the brain in the vat scenario. It sounds so terrible. It reminds me of this movie, uh, National Lampoon's Last Resort, mm. where, like, there's, like, a whole subplot about VR sex okay. in this 90s comedy movie. Nice. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I just know uh, Christmas <laughs> Vacation. And the most important part of that movie is that Dread Zeppelin is in it. Whoa. Which is a... And there was a band in the 90s. They, they were a Led Zeppelin cover band mm -hmm. that uh, had a 300-pound Elvis impersonator. Rock and roll. And they were a reggae band. Okay. <laughs> so reggae covers of Led Zeppelin with a 300-pound Elvis impersonator in the helm. It's the only important part of that movie. Checks out. <laughs> so... So with Terminator, we're dealing with so many different things, I feel like. It's a simple movie. It's so simple that it actually doesn't really make sense. Yes. It's, com it's completely inconsistent internally. But the themes it touches on, I think, are so important. The question of where technology is going and what are we to do about it. So the whole premise is, um, you know, the future is coming, but right now, the, the moment we're in, we still have a chance to change that future from actually taking place. Mm -hmm. What do we need to do? We need to essentially stop the big corporations that are doing it. I mean, that's the whole thing in the second one. Well, and, they find the corporation that's going to build the tech, and they blow it up. Well, and more importantly, they, they find the guy who's the guy that creates it. Mm -hmm. and, and once again, let's not get into the holes of he had the chip from the future. And like, again, how, how does it get started? How does the chip get there? Like, right. Doesn't the chip stop being? If you say, yeah, whatever. Um, the idea really here is... That guy, so why this isn't what I ever meant to do. Like, I, I, he thought he was going to do something amazing for society. And don't get me across the, the Linda, Linda Hamilton, all you fucking right, men. Right, right. All men you like you invented the atom bomb. <laughs> yes. So good. Great feminism thing. <laughs> we men should spend more time thinking about fucking, I don't know. But uh, what's, what's crazy is that... It's it's all about the unintention of what man's gonna do. Right. But very little happens unintentionally. It feels like in technology these days, we get the technologies that they want us to have. Okay. They, they spend the money to make those technologies happen when lots of amazing things that could be discovered get pushed by the wayside. So this idea of him just kind of he found this thing and saw the good for humanity. And what's going to happen from that was weird to me. Yeah, this is one of those things that people, I think, who are kind of middle of the road, will... This is the, the sort of acceptable, model, moderate argument against technology spreading as it has. Is, you know, the technology is wonderful and all, but when it gets too big, there are going to be all these unintended consequences, like you're saying. You know, it's going to come alive and shoot us in the head, or it's going to ruin our experiences with re reality, etc., etc. But they're always framing it as if that's unintended. And I, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're suggesting is maybe that's the point, explicitly. Like, that's what well, they want. As I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, like, man, you know what it would be awesome if technology could do? If I could, like, have a chip in my brain that just shut off that thing that makes me want to eat Starburst jelly beans at all times mm. like could I get rid of I think I'd lose a bunch of weight maybe if I could just shut that synaptic like really relay off maybe but do you then lose something do you lose a virtue of like well, self discipline and that well kind of thing? there we go we become softer but as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking that I'm also thinking well wait a minute what if the real like, purpose of movies like this is to keep us afraid of technology mm. and keep us reining it in and keep it from going the places that it could go. 
Okay, right. So is this like, fear porn to discourage people from expanding technologically? Yeah, from wanting to moving on, trying to advance the world and do good things. Mm. Don't 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 throw too much into what the possibilities are because if you go too far down that road, it's always going to be bad for us. Right. Um, that's a good question, and it's hard to answer because the 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 term the technology that we're talking about is so outlandish in the movie like we're well, killer it? robots that look well, like human beings i think that the, the what's really going to happen is technology is going to manifest dude, as this you, okay. kind of decentralized see, network so you say that i do have you seen what they're doing with real dolls in japan right now uh no i mean i know what real dolls are okay and i know what they're, japan is they're pretty kinda. damn realistic looking yeah I'm just saying, you, you make a couple advancements in the skeletal structure and add a little AI in there, we're not that far off what they're talking about. Okay, fine. Killer robots are on the table. It could definitely happen. Well, and you saw those dogs last week with the machine guns planted on them that they're already, <laughs> the U.S. military is already using yeah. from Boston Dynamics. But I was just going to say, Boston Dynamics has been at it for years. Okay, fine, you're right. Back in Vietnam, dude. Back in Vietnam, where's the guy with the Metal Gear Solid t-shirt? Back in Vietnam, they were building bipedal tanks. Now, they didn't work very well, and the things would always fall over. It was probably hilarious. But they were trying to make walking battle tanks with guns on them and stuff. Uh, drone technology goes back to World War I. Mm -hmm. um, the story behind that, by the way, is they put a radio inside of a bomb and then strapped the bomb to the top of a Model T and drove really fast across a bridge and launched it off the top like a kite. And we're actually man they actually managed to steer it via radio for like 200 meters or something. That's crazy. Yeah. What's that? Yep. Oh, sorry. sorry you <laughs> guys doing something? <laughs> good. That looks good, man. Watermelon? Would you like some? No, thank you. It looks like cereal. I'll be professional. It's the best kind of cereal. Watermelon just <laughs> watermelon with milk in it. <laughs> watermelon that doesn't with sound watermelon right. with whiskey in it. I don't know what you're talking oh. about. Whiskey would be... I don't know. I would go with, like, a clear liquor, I think. Okay, clear liquor. Tequila. Oh, that's not that much better. Do? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, okay. If there are Terminators, and let's say technology takes over, technology's making these value judgments for us. How are we to live? Assuming it doesn't do away with us right away. Because it recognizes, look, we need to keep these little monkeys around to fix our little gears and do whatever needs done. They'll use us as worker bees for the time being. Are they going to let us drink alcohol? Well, but that's the problem. Aren't they going to regulate the shit out of us because they want us to pro prolong our productive capacity? No smoking, no drinking, no anything. Have you, have you ever watched Nine? No. Nine is Maybe. A, is, is that the Tim Burton he, thing? No, he was a producer on it. It's an animated movie, though. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Okay. It's Honestly, it's, it's a different... Uh, a kid's version of the Terminator franchise. Okay. And in that, ultimately what happens is the war machines eventually create their own way to produce themselves. Right. Because eventually technology, I mean, we may use robots already to make all the crap that we make, so they might as well just put the AI in charge of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, so they're looking at what happens when they start procreating, when machines can procreate, in essence. Oh, man. Okay. So, yeah, but that's still going to be down the road. So I think that there'd probably be a, an intermediary period mm -hmm. where, you know, humans are... Maybe we're in that intermedi intermediary period right now. You know, we still need to be the ones that fix the robots, right? Okay. Uh, but how long is that going to be the case? I don't know. How competent... All of this is predicated on the idea that this technology that they're working so hard to build is actually going to work. Because that's the other thing. I mean, my wife knows um, every day some newfangled technology is breaking. It's trash. The phones don't work. The computers don't work. The TVs don't work. The cars don't work. The refrigerators with Wi-Fi in them, they don't work. Nothing, none of this shit works. So how are you going to send a metal man through space and time to kill a boy and then ch get chased by this other liquid metal dude and shape-shifting? How is that going to work? That's the thing that screwed with me the most about that movie. There are too many things to go. The thing, it would arrive, and then it would just bump into the wall for 24 hours. Because, <laughs> you know, like it's not going to work. I'm, I, I'm really waiting on the, the T-1000 technology, where the metal itself is sentient. Like, yeah. it, the, the metal is the computer. Right, so it's like super microprocessor kind of things. I mean, I is the whole thing... Uh, what do you call it? Like... Yeah, nanobots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like, yeah. Is, 
And and the temperature thing with it. Don't get me started. Right. Like I'm sorry. The the effects of like <laughs> it was liquid nitrogen uh-huh. freezing it would not wear off that quickly. I don't care if they're next to a steel mill. Look, dude. If you if you poke one more hole. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're totally right. Uh, also, what's the world like where? I mean, I, I don't know. I would just imagine that you would want that sort of thing to be sturdier. But also, where is it produced? Like, is the factory that it comes out of not have like extreme temperature conditions in it? I guess not. Yeah, I, don't I, know. I mean, you're talking about you a, you're metal talking about a metal that's and somehow whatever it does. Like, when you put it in the steel, did it become diluted? Why? Was it the heat that killed it? Like, it's something that clearly is already in liquid. But steel is metal, and so couldn't it have gone into the molten metal and fused with the steel and become a gigantic steel molten lava robot? Exactly. That's... The movie would have been, like, five hours So, So, here... Getting back to the more philosophical side of things. So, we have James Cameron. Uh, One of these things that we we know is that James Cameron is a huge environmental activist. Like the entire av- Avatar movie, that's all that movie is about. Yes. Now, well, <laughs> it's half of what the movie's about. The other half is about colonial shit. Isn't that the same thing? Well, fine. We've, we, like, yes. It's people or animals we're pushing out. It's one of, like, <laughs> right. whatever. It's huge. <laughs> Look, but that's, but that illustrates my point even better. He, he clearly believes that humanity is a virus in and of itself. Okay. So he's they're automatically projecting onto the robots what they feel. He feels that we need to be eradicated, mm-hmm. and he is living out his desire to get rid of humanity through the robots. That's, so it's back to the core premise of, is this someone who is trying to warn us of the future to come, or is it someone celebrating and saying, hey, look, we're a virus, we need to go. Uh, did you catch Idris Elba? He's in one of his tours a couple years ago talking to... Who literally... Who said on camera... that he, This is, I think, actually right in the beginning of COVID. And he said very specifically that COVID... Mind you, this is back when they thought the whole world was going to die. Is it nature's did. response to humanity as a virus. It's it curing itself. It's like an immune system response. Ex- exactly. Right, right, right. And, you, and you, through Hollywood... It, it runs rapid. Like, what? What is? What? Let's 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 think. Men in Black. What's Men in Black about? What? Is, what is Tommy Lee Jones says? You know, yeah. People are smart. Persons are smart. But people are panicky. He, he he basically equates us to a virus on the planet. We're stupid and we should be eradicated. Yeah. Um, the happening. It's another good one. Uh, listen, I was thinking about the other day. Like, it, it's just it's all over. That. Sure. The Matrix. What's hell's the Matrix? We're a virus. Yeah. No, you're right. And with the Terminator, it's hard to say because it could be interpreted that human beings, being a virus, will ultimately get so caught up in their own ego and their own ability to create shit, Mm -hmm. and they'll build these robots that basically turn the world into a hellscape. So I don't know if he's so much looking at the machines as the cure to humanity. Mm-hmm. He might be looking at the machines as the ultimate expression of what's wrong with humanity. Because mm-hmm. whenever they show the future, it's not an environmental paradise no. the machines have created. It's like, you know, the whole world's a factory and it sucks. Well, and it's also, by the way, it's also the most arrogant thing a person can do is look at the, as if we have that much control over the world. Right. Because ultimately what happens if you... if Long before it ever got to that level, we'd starve ourselves to death and there would not be a lot of people because there wouldn't be enough food supply. Well, that's that's probably right, I think. Um, it all comes back to environmentalism with me, Danny. It's literally... It's the, it's the thread through everything is that there is a sector of humanity that believes humanity would be... The world would be better if humanity never existed. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um... Is James Cameron one of those people? I don't know. Maybe, probably. I, I, how much land does Ted Turner own? Who's absolutely it. connected All to, of it except for to this. James Cameron. He's, he's, I'm They're sorry, connected. Okay. I believe it. I mean, we were talking once in the past on a previous Actually, episode. Doesn't Cameron own a bunch of ranches down in Texas? Isn't that one of his things? I don't know. I'll have, don't the, know. I'll have the one up on, up on that. We were talking about a movie that was done by James Cameron's wife. And all of these like, military connections. I mean, everyone here knows how 
Hollywood is saturated with military you know, money it's and spooks. advisors and all that stuff. <laughs> if you weren't right. aware. Right. Um, and, you know, like she, James Cameron's wife, whose name escapes me at the moment, was oh. uh, she's very tight with a lot of these military guys who mm -hmm. were working in Hollywood. We talked more in detail about it. And so with James Cameron presenting this narrative of like the future of robotics... I'm sure there's a lot of creativity well, going on there, but also... Not only the future of robotics, but the future of military technology, because right. it's the AI. AI is fine out there, folks, but it's when AI touches, touches the button. When you give AI the button, that's, that's the thing that it is. That's the real delineator. Because, well, they put Skynet online and everything's okay until, oh, it gets connected to the nukes. And, right. Well, now all bets are off. That is the ultimate problem, and removing whatever Cameron's desires or whatever from the equation, do we think, and this is something we have no, po no power over, virtually, assuming AI, military AI, gets to the point where it's logistically feasible, are the people in power going to actually give it control of the nukes? You know, you know, like I want you to think about this. How many politicians out there have big enough dicks? Oh, I don't care, whatever. You know, I'll let somebody other than me have control. Yeah, right. Like we're talking about people that, by nature, are control freaks. You think they're giving that button to anything, us, anyone else, especially a machine? Right. The idea of that is ludicrous to me. Yeah, and also I, I think that because we've we've had the Terminator and things like it, the public outcry for whatever influence that would actually have people would be like what you're doing what like we know how this goes we've seen terminator we don't do that you have to have at the end of it you have to have a person involved and they mm -hmm. do the thing where they turn the keys at the same time you know like yeah. in war games one of the greatest movies but it is absolutely one of the greatest movies <laughs> we got to do a show on that we, we absolutely war games is on the table that That's... movie kicks ass <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to terminator we seem to be going all over the place. I mean, there's, a, but you know why? Because Terminator is like, especially in science fiction, it's foundational. It's yep. Every everything has borrowed from it. It is, it has affected everything that came after it. And everybody's seen it. And it, it's like it's really a yeah. part of the culture. I mean, dude, there's a, there was a Terminator Two ride at Universal Studios. The, like I, I wrote it when I was a kid. It was badass. Yeah. Like the T one thousand. It's in three D. Do you get to be in a little like dirt bike and a semi truck? Is actually, I think you? so. I think they do actually have that scene as part of what happens. So good. And like the T one thousand, like you're sitting there and like he starts shoot, like doing the spike arms thrown at him at you. Right. And like a giant like swings him across the audience and and you're just watching in three D like oh my god I wish I had drugs. I'm <laughs> <laughs> kind of glad I'm not on drugs. Right. Damn, but it was it was literally it was a culture a cultural phenomenon that movie came out. Why? Here's another thing we're gonna talk about government. Why is it the James Cameron movies are always cultural phenomenons? Mm. How, how huge was Avatar? Right. Can you think of a James Cameron movie that isn't one of the biggest movies ever put out? No. Exactly. <laughs> wait, right. wait. I got it. The first Terminator. Oh. That's but, the only I mean, one. Oh, but that's so big. I mean. <laughs> It was received so well, that's why the second one was mm -hmm. able to be what it is. Absolutely. You know, one of the greatest movies ever. So, and I had to sit up here and, and shit on a guy <laughs> who's created so many things that I enjoy watching. Yeah. <laughs> but as we've done this podcast, one of the things that you keep coming across is, is like how these stories that like I love so much, these movies, you know, books and things in my case how they echo through society around them in ways that largely never results in more freedom for you and me. Right. Well, and I mean, it may if we try and consider this stuff as detailed as we're attempting to. Well, I, well, I, I mean, I want to say that, like we said, all of the humanity has become so much better because of technology. To be honest, the cotton gin freed a lot of black people. And, right. And... Washing machines and vacuum cleaners freed a lot of women up to do a lot of other shit with their lives. So like, technology can always be the, the, the one thing, or it can be the other. It's a fine line we walk. So, and so Terminator, I think, is trying to, in a maybe ham-fisted way, get us to ask that question. Mm -hmm. At least, maybe that's not what Cameron wanted us to do, but I, that's what I'm going to do, goddammit. 
Yeah. I'm going to ask because you're not getting rid of technology. I mean, the world's not going Kaczynski. I don't think some people are, but I don't think that's going to work. Um, where do you draw the? I mean, you could. We could talk about cybernetics. I am, immediately I'm thinking Grandma's boy, where it's like robot legs. I want to get robot legs. I'm gonna be honest. Robot legs would be super badass. They would. I mean, all of the ideally. You know, but are you letting them robo- jack into your brain to no. give you control of robot legs? No, no. But also, again, the robot legs. They're not going to work. <laughs> well, look, look, I didn't say you're getting, like, dude, you never buy anything the first model. No. You always wait till it's, like, been around a couple years and they got the kinks worked out, obviously. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of return to analog. As much as you can do, I'm, I'm, I'm all for technology, but it's this digital cybernetic stuff where it's got a chip inside of it that's pretending to think. I'm like, yeah, you could just keep all that to yourself. Give me the thing that's got the part that touches the other part that pushes the thing. Uh, we're good. That's, t- that's not going to take anything over. You know? It has no quote-unquote mind. It'll be easier to fix. And it'll be easier to fix. Right. But now with the cars, the, the cars with the computers in them, well, it's not a car anymore. It's a computer with wheels. And you can choose to get into a computer with wheels. And now you don't really have the choice, and nobody knows how to well, fix it. Well, what's, what's funny, and this, this is always the dichotomy of all this, who are the people, and under what auspices does all that happen, Danny? Progress. Well, there's a very specific type of progress behind it. Okay. Environmentalism. Environmentalism. It is always environmental regulations being yeah. added to cars to fix this problem and that problem. Sure. That leads to... Why is it looking out for the Earth is going to lead to robots killing everything? <laughs> it's it's like the people that you think would be the most wanting to slow progress as much as they can or reverse progress in society are the ones pushing the progress to try and fix this problem that may be real or imagined. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a catch-22 or a paradox, but I don't know how closely these people are really considering it. Well, that's... Uh, I mean, now... Like most people don't consider any part of environmental. So like, the like, we're going to talk about fossil fuels later today. Yes. But a lot of that is based on people don't ha- they don't ask real questions. So look out in the audience. Uh, when's the last time you thought about what oil does for the world? That's positive. Yeah, positive. But how often people think about it? No, you're like you know, man, it's out there. It's warming the earth and like. Animals are dying in the oceans. Right. Now, granted, I can't think of many things on this world that don't like being warm versus cold. Other than me, I would much prefer to be cold. But <sighs> I am not the norm. So given that, man, it seems odd that we should all be really, really afraid of a warmer Earth. Plant, like, oh, CO2. Well, you know, that's the thing that's going to kill us because the heat didn't. Yeah, yeah. It seems really, really suspect that they're telling me the thing that every plant on the planet eats, and then we eat plants, mm-hmm. is somehow a bad thing. Like, literally, what do, you, what, do, what do you do in a greenhouse, folks, when you want the plants to grow? You pump in CO2, because that's right. what they eat. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty wild shit there. Yeah, the environmentalism thing is such a wacky rabbit hole to go down. Cause but it's a lot of not asking questions, and that's the, that's the thing. Like people take you, you say, "Oh yeah, we we should all really try not to use oil." It's all it's better that you accept that you don't think about it because they get you to stop asking questions. They you just take the treatise as what it is, and it's almost like the. Hey, we know it's better for you. Download it in your brain, parrot it, and even with me, like someone who's really tied into this stuff, like there's still a lot of things even like I just innately think, oh, yeah, of course we should use less oil, like yeah. But you know who really shouldn't think we shouldn't be using less oil? Africa, India, yeah, places, third world countries that like can barely scrape by life. Like their lives don't get better. They don't get what we have without an industrial revolution and a fuck ton of oil. Remember, this was probably back in like 2009 or so, early Obama days, okay. when he said something to the effect of like, those people over there don't get to have air conditioning. <laughs> Does anyone remember this more specifically, well, what I'm talking so about? Go look at the environmental people right now. One of the things they're going to parent is that it, the, env- the environment is becoming more hostile to human beings. Now, mind you, 
that there are 90% less deaths due to environment in the past 30 years than there were before that. 90% reduction. Wow. Why? Because fossil fuels to make air conditioning. Yeah. Right. Or, or fuel oil. Because cold kills a lot more people than heat ever has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cold is terrible. I know this is getting slightly off Terminator, but but um, I see that's the the Ice Age stuff, like the the coming cooling, which people talk about. Well, I mean, which one? Uh, I'm thinking of. You thinking about the the the, the grand solar minimum that we're about to go through? Yes, and that we better hope that the amount we've warmed the Earth offsets that a little bit because it's going to get real rough. Mm Mm-hmm. Like. Because, I mean, what is it, like, the, the Dark Ages, what does that coincide with? That was, like, the last grand solar minimum? Yeah, right, and then there comes the medieval the, warm period when all the cathedral builders start doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. So, were there killer robots back then, too? Well, I'm not willing to put it past, like, say, the Aztecs and some of those older civilizations, because we don't get a lot of that stuff. Like, we don't really don't know what's going on. And their math was really good. So there may have been killer robots. There may have been, and maybe that's why we don't have more of those people around. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Um, I was. You want to open it up to see if anyone out there has like, any thoughts on the matter? Yes. Yeah, right. let's do that. Let's see what people want to talk about Terminator-wise. You said it. You guys were hitting on AI, and I was wondering if you've come across anyone talking about the potential of there being sort of... Uh, uh, an easy scapegoat using AI for things to fall apart. It's like, oh, we have something to blame. You know, this, this, uh, say the nuclear code game. Oh, it's not my problem. It was this, n- yeah. this pesky AI that we put in touch. But, but it seems like that that's a very viable option for. Okay, well, so the question, the question that? was. It could AI be used as a scapegoat for human incompetence or nefarious? More nefarious. Okay. okay. Um, Isaac Asimov, like, one of the, that's why the if you read like old like nineteen fifties science fiction, the way robots are basically treat, cre- treated like a, a, a slave class, and they like genuinely people blame robots for bad shit that they do all the time in the old science fiction literature. Okay. Like, someone will kill someone and then blame it, oh, the robot malfunctioned even though they programmed the robot to do that. Right. Like, things like that. And then they, the mystery is, oh, we, we got into the code and we saw someone tampered with it at the end and that guy's gonna go to jail. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of a lot of those stories. And they all start out, they all start out on some mining camp on some planet. Where someone's programming a robot to do a job that a person doesn't want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for using AI as a scapegoat. Um, we've it's certain- weird, because in my head, I was just thinking, wow, they're going to be the Mexicans of the future. And I'm like, wow, they really throw a lot of shit on the Mexicans, too, don't they? Oh. They're a pretty good scapegoat for a lot of- <laughs> wow. Scapegoat is the rule. <laughs> Scapegoating is a rule of civilization. That's always something to bear in mind. There's always got to be somebody to absorb the psychic contempt that societies generate because you know we're humans we're bitter and resentful and we're sad wait are you right so we blame are you sticking up for the Jews over here is that what's going on (laughs) yeah yeah fuck it (laughs) chill for the the banks folks right (laughs) yeah um there have been talks as we've all heard of cyber attacks and cyber security and all of these things this is what we have to be afraid of right the Russians are going to compromise our technological infrastructure and cut off our oil supply or cut off our electricity. Blah, 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 blah. Now, so there are two scapegoats there, really. There's the Russians. But then there is also the means that they're supposedly using, the technology. Um, and I, They got good hackers, man. It detracts, I think, though, from what our powers that be are actually doing. You know, they're seizing control of further and further... Uh, oodles of power, we'll put it that to put yeah. put it technically. Um, so when a, when a, when a cyber attack occurs, who we're not gonna know ever who did it. You can never know if it was the Russians or the Chinese or you know Hunter Biden. Well, they built that. They baked that into the cake. Oh, it's it's so easy to to put a fingerprint on this stuff of who did it. Right. You can always go for the opposite the scapegoat. The opposite of the scapegoat. <laughs> Endless <laughs> deniability. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, does anybody else want to contribute? Well, thinking about uh, what you were just talking about blaming the Russians with something like uh, Stuxnet, you know, the, the idea that you have a 
computer virus entering a nuclear software and then what's that, what that has done to the sort of Oh, that's what you think? That's about not to know. Sorry, that's that's. Well, we're talking scapegoating. Yeah, that's that's a scapegoat because uh, yeah, the environmental people can't have you having nuclear because you know what nuclear means. Nuclear means we get to continue affecting the world without the worries of power and energy. So, yeah, that's that's you can't have can't have nuclear for that reason. Because the end goal is human beings not affecting the world. Well, it's some human beings affecting the world in a... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I only, that was only covered loosely in my arena, so I don't know as much about the stuff. I don't know if they came up with a, uh, a cemented scapegoat in that scenario. Uh, but that's, um, that's, I, I, I can't say I've actually, actually heard about that, but... I mean, to me, it immediately, the, the sniff test I have is, oh, wait, you mean that, that thing that is on every government's agenda to get rid of nuclear power across the globe? Oh, yeah, that totally seems weird that that would fit right in. That didn't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> Something exploded. Was it my tent, was it? They didn't hit my car or anything? No, I think you're good. Um, yeah, I don't know very much about that. I, I, that's interesting. From what I remember, it was, uh, it was a computer virus that entered through the email stream, and it Apparently entered like all of the nuclear facilities. It entered through a computer screen. No, it was through. It was Stuxnet was uh, was the Mossad. Uh, they they actually used a physical USB. Oh, did they? But they were not attacking a nuclear power plant. It was a uranium enrichment facility. And they caused the enriching machines to basically over rotate until they all like blew up. Or I don't know if they blew up, but they yeah, just something like it, it caused it to not to sound an alarm or call for cooling or something. It could, I, I, yeah, I forget exactly what the mechanism was, but it did something to make it so that the, to the Iranians specifically was just yeah. the Iranians. I was gonna say he said he said uranium and Mossad. I'm like, okay, so something to peg on Iran. Okay, I got you. That's that's a real quick angle to get to. Traitor to physically do it because none of those computers were networked as a security precaution, so they actually had to get a mole in and put a USB. So was it a lie that when they said they found it? Found that code and all of these that things, so it is spread a lot of different places. Yeah, they may have done it, but they might have just not pull the trigger on it. But I know it's for weapons making, not necessarily for nuclear power plants themselves. Mm. We're trying to inhibit their ability. I mean, what I'm hearing is, man, we can hit a lot of agenda points real quick all at once. Yeah, yeah, very easily. <laughs> very easily with the technological... Scapegoat again. Yeah. It's, it's really back to that issue. Um, I feel I don't want to leave that subject. It seems really important, but maybe we should because it's a really deep thing to go down. Um, every I think everything is going to be scapegoated if it can be. You know, anything that can be scapegoated. I mean, there's will a fair amount of where we're scapegoating the shit out of technology with our show. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I get, sure. There's always that question. I'm definitely the more pro technology of the two of us. I'm I'm kind of like I think that people are going to try and take charge and crap the world with technology. Uh huh. But people tend to suck at that too. Yes. Well, and I they're not good at that. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. What? But to whatever extent they do manage to do what they're doing, I think it's going to probably be pretty ugly. You know, and partially because it's not going to work. You know, 100 percent according yeah. to plan. Like so, they're not going to kill everybody. We're going to end up with mutants instead. <laughs> right. Like, I'm going to have a third arm. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it make jerking off easier. But it's not the worst. It could be worse. Depends where the arm is, I guess. Right. So. It's coming out the top of your head or something. It, <laughs> it be would be difficult to reach that way. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, where do we go from here, audience? <laughs> where do we go so from here? On the subject of James Cameron, do you think that, you know, given that his films tend to how preachy is Avatar 2 going to be? That is a wonderful question. Ah, go from it. <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, I don't need to roll it. I already know it's going to be the preachiest film. Because he's just going to up the ante from the last one. I don't even... I, I think... Do you think everything is going to be non-binary and trans on top of being... Yeah, I think they're probably going to want to sneak in some... Not, not... I shouldn't say sneak. I think they're going to want to hit you over the head <laughs> with the idea... That these people are, you know, we don't look at sex that way. Or, yeah, I was gonna say that that message is gonna be a thirteen-inch cock. Thwap, thwap. Yep, right across the old chops. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it, it may be literally. It may be literally. I don't, don't know. know. Are they going to bring back the 3D thing? <laughs> well, no. That was that was my thing. Uh, that I the first thing I saw. They're doing a new Avatar. I'm like, okay, so what kind of like what kind of four is is this like the way to get uh, the Neuralink introduced? Like, you're going to have to get a Neuralink to see Avatar, and it's going to be a four dimensional film. Like, right. is that the idea? There's got to be. Something you're going to go in there. It's going to connect your brain. And you're literally going to live three weeks in the film, but it's going to be like in two hours in your head. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's the first thing I thought of. There's got to the be point? some gimmick because that, that movie existed it, for 3D. That the, was the first point. one that was what started everything being in 3D. Yep. Around 2010, and then you know now it kind of went away. But it's it's about time for there to be another movie it's gimmick. They charge too much for the glasses, man. Yeah. They I would pay an extra couple. I'd pay an extra couple bucks for a 3D movie if I got to keep the damn glasses. Don't you get to keep the glasses? We used to keep the glasses. Well, yeah, but but, but they still yeah. charge you for a new. But they're going to charge you for them regardless the next time you watch right. the movie. Yeah, and I think the charge is stupid. Okay, I'll you're pay right. two bucks more. I'm not paying eight bucks more for the glasses. It does seem mm-hmm. like it's an overall kind of uh, advertisement for virtual reality, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and the concept of Avatar itself is well, 100. You know, meta- VR. So I actually, no, well, I, I, I actually went and wa- or read, listened to the original. Um, what is it? Uh, <sighs> Neuromancer the other day. Okay, right. Um, which was is that what the one was? I can't. Remember. I've been listening to so much sci-fi, but like literally the book that Metaverse comes from. Oh wow! When was it written? Wow, was it 1991? Okay. Garth. Anyways, it, the whole book is like the vision of. Well, the, <laughs> okay. I've, I've never read a book where the. Uh, the main character's name is Hero Protagonist. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Unobtainium, oh my god. So for all these people that can create these fantastic worlds, yeah. they're all crap at naming shit. Yeah. It's clearly, that's a moral of the story. John Connor, JC, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the Matrix. Well, in the, in the book, they refer to the Matrix. That's where they go when they're they're doing stuff. Yeah, oh wow! Yeah, the term, yeah. The, term the Matrix comes well, from Neuromancer. And, and there is uh, there's literally a uh, an afterword by this dude like who knew the guy who wrote it, and the the praise that he heaps on this guy for how he pre- predicted the future and. And like how it's not predicting. It's like oh, his stuff was so great that he literally defined what we all went to become. Like the whole cyberpunk world exists mm-hmm. because this guy, and we all thought it was so cool that we literally tried to make that world. Right. Like so, this guy he heaps on this guy's shoulders all of all of the, like the the projection of the future forward is this guy. Like if he didn't happen. Who knows what crazy, terrible world we'd be in? <laughs> and you're yep. kind of like, wow. That's a, that's a lot of praise for one guy in a book that most people have never read or heard of. Right. God, but it's those esoteric things where you really do find out the origins for so many of these yeah. memes that find their way into the public mind. Uh, and why I think it's so important that we have the conversations we're having because it's these little stupid things in this book that, yeah, I'm the only guy who's heard it. They, 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 they find their way into a James Cameron movie that becomes a blockbuster. It's not just some niche thing. Right. And then it genuinely affects the world. Like, The Matrix, it's a silly idea in Neuromancer. But how big did the movie The Matrix become culturally? Oh my god, it's huge. And that well, literally changed the world. Well, and like the term red pill and all of these things mm-hmm. that come from that movie... They, they're shaping elements of the culture. People are talking in the terms of a well, film. Well, they're shaping things that have nothing to do with... Like, they're, they're, they're nothing to even do with like, the source matter of those like, the, the, the movies. Incidentally, it is kind of ironic, isn't it, that people in the real world are using the vocabulary from a movie, a fictional movie, which is all about not living in fake reality, and people are talking as if they're in the movie by saying, take the red pill and all that stuff. I think that's fun. It is fun. <laughs> Um, so, right. oh, what, yeah, are we, how's our time? Uh, it, when did we start? It's, uh, 
You got a couple more ends we want them. I mean, it's ultimately it's up to you, Mister Second Podcast. After this, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, does anyone else have any comments, questions, heckles, swear words? Just We're yell at going us. Going with that uh, James Cameron question before was like you guys maybe being a little bit more movie buff or something. Oh, but uh, let's look. I'm the movie buff. Okay. This guy, I have him here because he knows things. Right. He's read books. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I, uh, I wonder about the notion of certain people that reach heights of popularity if they're not positioned there because they have the messages and the wherewithal to put out the behind the, the, the wizard behind the curtain sort of message or something like that. So you'd say someone like Bill Gates or you'd take someone like James Cameron, for instance. And so, you know, to expand on that is like, what could you pull from something like Titanic, or is that just to like build him up again to like make him seem like great? Okay, so here's a here's a thought. Um, Larry Fink, Larry Fink of BlackRock. Yes. What is ESG? Environmental. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> ESG is a way for people. We'll say Larry Fink's one of the richest people on the planet. Or could, we'll yeah. say controls more money than any other person on the planet. Mm-hmm. BlackRock is invested in every major corporation in the world. Okay. You want to start a business with institutional money, you don't do it without BlackRock. Now, ESG is a society, like it is defining cultural and societal direction. And if you don't adhere to the ESG standards, they're picking winners and losers for how society is going to be defined in the future. Now he's doing it like controls government the same way, using money. But ultimately, the, the the end result is absolute people in power, giving the money to the people that are going to help propagate their ideology. And that's literally what it is. So with James Cameron and his movies, how does that exactly play into? You want to go and make a three hundred? You want you want to go and make a three hundred million dollar movie? You're going to have to convince someone to give you $300 million. Right. And some company that has that money is going to underwrite that. Checks like, out. Get, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just saying you can follow how far back that road goes before someone is getting money from, is borrowing money, or has the, the, the is in a position to borrow money, and BlackRock is the ultimate bank of last resort for that. Right. And are they going to be able to get that loan? Because he said, oh, well, what do you want it for? Oh, I want to make this movie. Well, we'll give you the loan, but can you, you make sure that this is put in there as the, one of the executive producers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what about the kickbacks that like, you get from government when you make a movie that say ha, features the military? Things like that. Well, even one that doesn't, so like Titanic. You know why? What's that? And maybe it's innocuous, but I think that Cameron has sort of painted himself as this man who. If he's not creating a cultural myth like Terminator or Avatar, then he's shaping the perception of a myth that isn't a myth. You know, well, something that actually happened. So, Titan- the narrative of the Titanic story is now really seen through his lens. You know, it's it's romanticized and. That's interesting. You went that way with that. Okay. Because I was gonna say. Who's one of the biggest names in the environmentalist movement right now? Oh, yeah, Leo. Why is he famous? For that movie. This giant blockbuster movie that James Cameron put out? Right. Is that, like, helping, you know, 40 chess with the next generation of people to propagate <laughs> your ideas is going to be? I don't know. Maybe. You know, there are no more icebergs left to sink ships anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Global Warming. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Yeah, if the Parthas Vineyard is still there. So. Right, so, and Obama's hanging out there, right? Yeah, it's weird how many politicians are on the edges of the yeah. edges of the country on land that will soon be underwater any minute now. Yeah, just keep waiting for that. That would be pretty cool. Um, should we wrap up? Uh, well, I was going to ask. I did have a quick question. How many people here think that technology is a net good or or a net bad? Let's go mm. net good first. All right, okay. let's, 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 let's do this. It. Do you think progress? Huh. <laughs> I love the, I love the, the, the kickback. That's the best part about it. So, I, I would say that's ultimately the question, isn't it? Right. So that's the thing about these questions is they are offered to us 
in, like with Terminator. It's, it's fundamentally a movie about technology and the question of technology. And so it just leaves you with this kind of suspicion of technology. But it's all very vague. Uh, like you said, technology could be clothing. Technology is shoes. Technology is language. I, my, my, but, favorite, my favorite technology is permaculture. Yeah, right. So there you go. It's a great technology. It's a technology. So there's no doing away with technology. Technology is what human beings do. We have to because we don't have claws and you know all that stuff. We're weak, so we build claws and sharp teeth for ourselves. You, you know my least. What's your, you know my least favorite technology is? Oh uh, no. Government. Oh. I, I think that the market demand to be ruled is a shitty demand. Yeah. A shitty market. So, these questions are so broad and like progress, it hardly gets defined. And so, people are just kind of left with vague emotions. Dude, Woodrow one Wilson way or the told other. me that progress is good no matter what. Right. Progress <laughs> towards more democracy. <laughs> uh, right. So, the question of. What do you think about technology? Is it a net good or a net bad? We can narrow it down and say specifically cybernetic technology. That is to say technology that is designed to improve its own behavior by reflecting on its own actions. So that's fundamentally what cybernetics is, right? Uh, uh, do, uh, go ahead. That, that exists now? Oh, yeah. yeah. That something that, uh, that electronic technology can reflect? Not, not reflect in a philosophical way. Cybernetics works on the principle of feedback, right? So imagine it's like shooting a basketball, okay? You shoot a basketball, you want to get it through the hoop. That's your aim. That's your goal. You have that in mind. So you shoot and you miss. And so then you assess, subconsciously really, it's a very primitive process. The ball bounces off the right side of the rim. So you get the ball, you go back, and then you readjust your aim, right? Shooting a gun, same way. You reorient yourself based on performance and you compare your goal to your performance so back in world war ii the what became the pentagon was basically working on doing that with anti-aircraft guns at the time they didn't succeed but they were working on theoretically designing machinery that through the use of at that time it was actually tape taping mechanisms um a machine could perform an action, a very simple action, and then determine whether or not it's in line with what it was programmed to do, and then correct itself accordingly. And so that's what the field of cybernetics is. Is that almost all weapons based then? Not anymore. It began with let's weapons. Let's talk injection molding as someone who used to work in a plastics factory. Those machines, like as they pump like the little time that opens the solenoid that says how much plastic goes in the machine. It's constantly doing calculations. How, how, how much did the last one turn out? Like, was this time off? Like, we've got tolerances. What do, we, do we need to up the pressure here to make this tolerance be tighter so it's not farther away? We have too much in here. We have too much waste. Like, and the machines themselves, the computer processes, are watching to see what that data is at the end of every cycle. And over time, they learn how to keep within a certain threshold. They learn... What things affect it, how they affect it. Like the idea is machines that make themselves better at all time. Now, the the best example, <laughs> the the easiest example is a thermostat. You set it to seventy five degrees. Your house is eighty degrees. So, the thermometer inside of the thing basically detects what the temperature is. It sees that it's not correct, so it turns the air on. When the temper when the thermometer reaches seventy five degrees, which is where you've set it, it turns the thing off. When the temperature fluctuates turns it back on. And that, it's as simple as that. So it's, it can involve machines that are multi-parted. It can, uh, I mean, a cybernetic system can be as large as an entire building. It could be as large as a nation. Um, mm -hmm. And nowadays, as things become digitized and decentralized Global. technologically, sure, sure, uh, the cybernetics is becoming more and more ubiquitous. But as far back as the thermostat, which is fairly how, how old. How about this for a fun one? Yeah. Facebook. Huh, okay. Facebook is has parameters that it's supposed to do, and it will decide which advertisements and things it does for you, and shows you to elicit specific outcomes. And it learns like that's that's why the advertising algorithm was so good for so long because man, it knew who to feed those ads to. Right. Yes. Right. So it's it's a machine. It's a network of machines at that point, mm -hmm. looking and studying what the world is doing, and comparing it to the goal which was put into it. 
and is adjusting accordingly. It, it, it's it, the big thing is it, it's capable of being reactive. Cybernetic is reactive. It's the ultimate form of pragmatism. Set your goal and get it. How, by whatever means necessary, because these are automated networks. They don't have the power of philosophical reasoning or reflection, right? The thermostat doesn't think, like, does it really need to be 75 degrees in here, though? It just does it, because that's what it was told to do. Uh, my goal is to protect humanity right. from destroying the world. Exactly, right. Because if we destroy the world, it destroys itself. Well, if we get to the humanity destroying itself first, maybe we can keep the world. That seems to, well, at least if we're going with Terminator, Terminator land, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the narrative there. Um, so, so the question, the question, are cybernetic technologies fundamentally bad? We, we can keep our clothes and we can keep automobiles, but do, is something that is intrinsically designed to perform action... Um, how can I put Where this? Where do we draw the line? Do we keep thermostats and get rid of Facebook? Right. Or do we keep Facebook but not go to Skynet? Yeah. Can it, we do that? Where do you draw the line? It's not simple. But I think it's a question worth considering. If a machine is something, or a cybernetic machine, is something that can reflect on action and then change its action, is that simply technology or is that something more? Is it in a different quantita qualitative category? Yep. So, yeah, so the, Norbert Wiener is the guy you want to go to for cybernetics. Um, he's, he coined the term. And his conception of it was the cybernetic process is so fundamental that ants are doing it, you're doing it, you don't realize you're doing it. It's so simple, even machines can do it. Uh, but yes, you're absolutely correct. It's the base form of life. It's the base form of learning. It's going on constantly. Could be. Could be. It could be. Steer it is an ironic yeah, thing. Yeah, steer it is a, such a wonderful phrase well, there. Well, well, because cybernetics means steersman. And that's the kind of thing about Asimov's laws. Is he's like, well, we got to program them so they, they have these three Fail laws. Fail-safes is what they are. Yeah, but you, eventually there's going to be a random mutation. You can't hold back the natural flow. You know, life will find a way, right? It'll eventually, something will happen and it'll break out. That, and it'll, it'll just go right back to the same pattern that life always been. Mm -hmm. So, what do you do about that? Don't get the don't get that evil doll from the China, the Korean factory. <laughs> I mean that's the that's the moral of the most recent. Uh, what, what what is it the? Child's play. Yeah, child's play. Mm. Oh, do they have uh, AI Chucky now? Yeah, no, that's that's actually the whole premise behind it is that a bad chip is created in a a factory in like where the where all the people are overworked, obviously, in this Korean factory. This, but this one bad chip infects this doll, and so when he comes out, he learns how to love from an abusive dad, Aww. and he learns that you know violence is love, right. and then he gets connected to AI and starts killing everybody, <laughs> because violence is love. Nice. And when you're connected to the internet, that becomes worse. <laughs> well, that checks out. So uh, I had a lot of fun talking about the movie, so hopefully you guys enjoyed things. Uh, we, uh, we do this fairly regularly on the uh, Road to Hell Film Review Podcast. You'll look us up online. We've talked about a bunch of interesting movies and maybe some more esoteric stuff. Yeah. To give us your, our, your email on our website, we've got a bunch of bonus episodes on the movie The Circle. Yes. Going very deep into the symbology there. Of one of the worst movies I've ever it seen. It sucks. So it's, uh, 2017? 2017. It is the most awful movie that... Is clearly predicted society way too accurately. Yeah. <laughs> it's I guess it's kind of trying to be a sci-fi movie, it's, but it's like it's set in like the super near future kind of thing. So yeah, it's basically about Facebook. Yeah, it's about Facebook and AI being more ubiquitous than it is right now. <laughs> it's about Facebook becoming your government. That's that's the end story. Right. It's in a way, it is the more sophisticated version of Terminator. The Circle. The Circle. It's a book by this guy Dave Eggers, too. The book's way better, but that goes without saying. Uh, it has, like, literally the most awful character that you're ever going to see in a book. Hermione Granger is just so, so very awful. Yeah. And I, I guess the character was created to be hated. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, they try and, like, almost redeem her in the movie. Well, and everybody's favorite American, Tom Hanks, is also in it. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on Tom Hanks. 
We'll save it for the bonfire. So isn't that the first celebrity to get COVID? I'm not saying nothing. Right. Uh, it's weird. So, uh, Danny, you're gonna be taking over here when I set this down. No, just about. I'm gonna I'm gonna run and put food in my face. Okay. Frantically, and well, then. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us and listening. <laughs> <laughs>